The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It's Thursday, November 3rd right now. It is the last podcast episode we're recording before. Now, I have daylight savings, which is going to like totally mess up my whole schedule, <laughs> and I'm really unpleased about it. I know. I feel We were talking about this the other week, and I feel like I can't really remember it ever making a big difference, but I feel like it will <laughs> maybe. Well, because I, I used to – my work hours changed because I used to do – 7 30 to 3 30 so i'd and sometimes i'd like leave at three like if it wasn't busy so i'd just be home a lot earlier but now i am eight to four and like i usually have to stay till four so i don't get home till like 4 20 it's like the whole day like i feel like when you finish at three it feels like you still get a good chunk of the afternoon but four by the time you get home it's nearly nearly bedtime (laughs) yeah so then we were talking about it and now with daylight savings we're gonna have to like start recording at like five so it's like i just have to come home and like Mm. record so (sighs) anyway and then it'll change all again in april because i think that's when ours changes back because ours change in in march yeah March yours is so we get a longer daylight savings period because ours is October till April and then yours is yeah. November, November till March. to March. Hmm. Very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, because I remember I feel like we used to record on the weekends sometimes. Mm. So I remember I would always get it done like pretty early because sometimes during the pandemic, me and Mike and our neighbor friend he would walk over and we'd have drinks in the parking lot. But sometimes I'd have to record instead of having drinks in the parking lot and i was like what fucking time was it that we were having drinks in the parking lot during the pandemic <laughs> that whole time's a blur i don't i honestly do not even remember <laughs> it was like lawless <laughs> anything goes it's like airport you know you can go and have a drink at the airport at 6 a.m it was the same in the pandemic yeah so i was like were we recording on the weekends or was it just like immediately after work we're like let's drink but i guess we weren't really Doing i was working else. and mike still had to work but our friend he like works in a bank so it was closed. <laughs> good times, know. memories. Yeah, but we got lots of good feedback um, after I pitied you all into being nice to us <laughs> last episode. I can't wait for the review that's like, they beg for reviews. <laughs> yeah, it'll definitely come. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they've said that before, mm. the haters. I think you so. Know, now I can finally say, like, I have haters. <laughs> so when you, isn't that when you know you've made it, apparently, when you've got some haters? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I really like it, but, like, I have haters. So, yeah, thanks for the the nice messages, good reviews. Always good to see where everyone stands, because, like we were saying last time, it's always, like, the, the vocal minority, and you never really know, like, does everyone feel that way? So thanks for all the feedback. Greatly appreciated. We did, and we did even have some constructive feedback. Like people are like, yeah, I don't really like the chat, but I just fast forward. So that's, you know, that's a very easy fix. <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, what else do I have to talk about since we feel confident now? <laughs> um, <laughs> what have you got going on this weekend? Anything exciting? No, but I'm going to be like kind of busy because I have to do laundry. So usually when I have to do laundry, I go to my parents who live like a half hour away and it's like an all-day thing because we like save up all our laundry so then when we just like don't have any more clothes we're like okay we gotta like do laundry (laughs) and then sunday 
I can say it because not that well I guess that friend no the same friend that I was talking about the parking lot beers his birthday his 40th birthday is um this weekend and his friends that we don't really know are having a surprise party because he usually watches like football at their house on Sundays so they like invited all of his like friends and family and stuff so it's gonna be a surprise that'll be exciting yeah even though it's a Sunday but it's like a football Sunday thing I guess sometimes so I can't get like blackout drunk (laughs) (laughs) that's a shame (laughs) yeah not that I would what about you? You always have a, a big weekend plan. No, I actually don't. Thank goodness, because I'm a little bit tired. But <laughs> I was just saying, my husband's gone away now today to Melbourne till Monday for a boys' weekend. So just me and the girls, they're all very excited. They're like, let's have a girls' weekend. So, um, oh, that's so cute. Yeah. So we, we've got like a party on tonight with one of my friend's birthdays that we're all going to. But other than that, not much at all. Very quiet. I'm actually looking forward to it. The weather looks nice, so <clears throat> we might, um, I don't know, go for a swim, go out for lunch, just do a few little quiet things like that. Man, speaking of the weather, it's it's fall here, as we've established, because we talk about the weather always and the leaves. But it's going to be like 75 degrees this weekend. That's like hot. That's crazy for that time of year. Yeah, and I'm annoyed about it because I want, I have like winter clothes and like summer clothes, but I don't, my apartment's not big enough just to have them all out. So like I put away my winter clothes in the summer and I'm ready to switch them. But it's like I still have to wear like both wardrobes because in the morning you wake up and it's like 30 degrees and very cold. <laughs> and then by the afternoon, it's like 70 and you're sweating. So I always look like an idiot because either in the morning I'm not wearing like enough clothes or in the afternoon I'm wearing too many clothes. And I feel like at that time of year too is the time that everyone always gets sick when it's kind of like yeah. in between seasons where it's hot and then cold and hot and cold and your body just can't keep up. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying. And I can't believe literally the day after Halloween, maybe even on Halloween, there's already Christmas commercials and there's Christmas <laughs> stuff everywhere. It's there's like I feel like this year it's been so early for Christmas. Even, yeah. Like all the shops up here are decorated. The Santa kind of exhibit thing is out at the mall. It's crazy. Yeah, I feel like we're also just like desperate for joy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's funny. I was um, watching the new White Lotus last night. I don't know. Have you ever watched that? No, but I keep wanting to. I always hear it's Mm. really good. So only the first episode of the second season's out and they were talking about how basically do you watch the news and, you know, and everyone's like, no, and they're like, well, I don't really want to see the world burn. (laughs) The world is ending and, you know, I'm just, I don't want to see it. That's literally how I feel. Everyone's just like, no, no, Christmas, it's Christmas in October, which is when I saw all all the decorations up. That's fine. I know. I'm like, should I put out my Christmas decorations? I'm like, no, it's going to be 75 (laughs) degrees this weekend. So that's that's what it is for me anyway. Like it's going to be hot. So that would be normal for me. Yeah. Not me. I got to wait a little while at least. (laughs) What else? Oh, we're going to talk about the Delphi um, the newest Delphi stuff, obviously, that's like a big case for us. It was kind of our our starting point for true crime society and everything. So we'll talk about that at the end because um, we talk about updates at the end just in case people don't care. But I feel like this is one everyone will care about because they finally made an arrest, which we all thought would never happen. Oh, my gosh. I still can't believe it. I still am a bit in shock, I think. With that case, that's the one where I don't think I'll be ex- – like, I'm excited that there was an arrest, but I also am always like still cautious because that case just was crazy. And maybe I think I'll feel like actual relief for like the families and stuff when he when the trial's over and he's sentenced and in jail or whatever. No. 
Yeah, and I'd see it when we don't get into it yet because we'll talk about it later. But it feels like yeah. it is going to hopefully happen quickly. I'm still skeptical that it will, but it seems like at this moment it's on track to happen relatively quickly. Yeah, hopefully. All right. Well, I guess we hit our, our ten minutes, so I don't think I have anything else to say. Do you? No, I don't think so at this point, really. We've got a big one, big episode. I feel like I say that all the time, but a big episode coming up today. So, All right, so we're going to get into it. It is today we're talking about Kids Who Kill. I think this is the second one. Yeah, well, we've done, I think maybe even, oh, God, I should have probably looked it up. We've done the Beaver Kids, the um, Beaver Kids. Beverly yeah, <laughs> the broken arrow did- murders, and then I feel like we maybe did one other episode, unless we combined it. I can't quite remember; it's all blurry. The Bevers, I think we did with Kids Who Kill. I think I'm just, I'm just gonna open it up now so we can be right. <laughs> yeah, so in our first Kids Who Kill episode, we did the Bever family who killed their whole entire or almost their whole family in Oklahoma a few years ago, and then we did Christopher Porco as well, who I had forgotten about, which his dad oh, yeah. remember that his dad was still alive and had basically half his head missing. Yeah, he was an adult, but he killed his parents. So Yeah. And then we had the Van Breeder family who were a South African family yeah, yeah, yeah. where the son murdered them. I, it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to do another Kids Who Kill episode today. Um, all kids who killed their parents, right? Yeah. Yes. Yep, absolutely. We keep talking about maybe doing it, like kids who kill other kids. We just – that means that'll be our – our next kids who killed it, give it like a little remix. Yeah. <laughs> um. So all the ones we're gonna talk about today, they're from within the last year or so, right? All from the all from this year, all from twenty twenty two. Yeah. So they're all from this year. So they're all recent. So we'll get you up to date on all those. And we're actually gonna start with someone. Uh, kind of how this whole episode came to be. Um. One of our group members was actually murdered by her son so we're going to get into that one first um in early october we got a message from another group member that a group member of ours named carly cantrell had been murdered carly had actually been a member of our group since june 2020 so she'd been in there for a while a nampa man has been charged with second degree murder the canyon county sheriff's office says they were called to a home in middleton yesterday afternoon where they found a woman's body. The woman has since been identified as Carly Cantrell. Late last night, Cantrell's son, 26-year-old Levi Isaac Davis, was arrested for her murder. Davis has been charged with second-degree murder as well as violation of parole. A judge issued a $5 million bond during the arraignment this afternoon, as well as a no contact with his father and siblings. According to the West Valley Humane Society Facebook page, Cantrell was the executive director of the West Valley Humane Society, and in a post they say, quote, she was innovative, creative, motivated, and determined in all aspects. Her perseverance and dedication led West Valley Humane Society on a journey to excellence. Her contributions are long-lasting and will continue to serve animals in need in the Canyon County community for years to come. Um, Carly lived in Idaho with her husband, Kevin Klein. I believe that she had four children, Levi, who was 26, Cody, Jackson, and Tam. At least two of the kids were still teenagers at the time that their mum died, so I I believe they're around 15 and 17. So she still had some fairly young children um, in the house. I just wanted to give a little bit of background into Carly before we get into her story. She was born on February 12th, 1978 in Kalispell, Montana, and she was the oldest of four children. Her family have said that she was a very protective big sister. 
As an adult, Carly met and married Kevin Klein and they had four sons together. They enjoyed camping and going to Disneyland. Carly's love of animals began as a child. Her favorite books were about animals and she constantly followed around the family dog. Growing up, um, she always knew she wanted to have a career that revolved around animals. She wanted to become a vet originally, but then she ended up working at the animal shelter, which was called the West Valley Humane Society. She worked at the ground floor cleaning kennels and she eventually became the executive director. I know that I've seen a lot of tributes from kind of animal welfare organizations and advocates in regards to Carly. And one of them says her work at West Valley was incredible. She was a leader in transforming the shelter into a private nonprofit that implemented programs to protect and honor animal lives in her community. Uh, Carly's friends and family have said that she was a loyal friend, a fantastic sister, a wonderful daughter, and a devoted mother. She was also a loving wife, and they've said that she made every occasion special. She loved cooking and baking, and she made everyone's birthday feel like a magical event and every holiday feel warm and welcoming. They've also said that she made sure everyone around her was comfortable and that she was a rare person who could listen to a problem without ever offering judgment or harsh criticism. So she sounds like an amazing person. I've seen just such beautiful things written about her and basically the end to her life was so brutal and so sad. It's just unbelievable really. Yeah. So Carly was murdered by her 26-year-old son Levi on Monday, October 10 this year, 2022. Her husband, Kevin, told police that he left their home at around 6.30 a.m. that morning and their usual routine was that Carly would get ready for work by around 7.30 a.m. The two teenage children said they last heard from Carly at around 7.35. The 15-year-old boy texted Carly saying he'd forgotten a school project and she said that she would drop it off. At 9 a.m. though, the boy texted his mum again but the message showed as not delivered. The 17-year-old son said that he texted Carly at 2.30 p.m. but that she didn't answer. So it seems like the murder happened not long after the two teenagers left the home and went to school. At 7.54 a.m., a a next-door neighbour said they saw a blue hatchback-type car parking in the driveway of Carly's home and that the car was gone by 9 a.m., so just over an hour that this whoever was in the car was there. According to police, Carly's son Levi drove a blue 2008 Chevy hatchback. Um, There's an affidavit in this case and according to that, another neighbour had video footage of a small blue car leaving the house at 8.20am. So that's even a shorter time frame. That's like a 25 minute time frame for this all to happen. Mm -hmm. One of Levi's acquaintances told police that Levi showed up at his home at 9am with what appeared to be blood on his pants and he asked to use the shower. Levi Levi told the man that he had stabbed himself, which is an unusual story. (laughs) The acquaintance told Levi to leave. (laughs) <laughs> so wish yeah I don't even know imagine just having someone show up at your door covered in blood I've just stabbed myself can I use your shower like, can you leave please <laughs> um so Carly's husband Kevin came home at around 3 35 p.m that day and found Carly laying in a pool of blood and she was pronounced dead on the scene so this is a bit of a trigger warning because there are some quite graphic details in this case Carly had chunks of her skin and hair missing Deputy Prosecutor Sean Jorgensen said the details of Carly's death are truly horrific. He also said that Carly's murder involved one of the most horrific horrific fact patterns that I've had to read in my time in this role. Levi had been living in a halfway house at the time of the murder. Police went there and they found his vehicle nearby. In the back seat of the vehicle, in quote, plain view, were a pair of waffle-soled shoes and white pants that appeared to have red stains on the legs. They said they also found clothing with blood on it at the halfway house after they executed a search warrant. 
So Levi was taken into custody at 11.15 p.m. on that night. He apparently had a deep laceration on his upper right thigh, which I guess could be the stabbing himself injury, a three-inch scratch on the top of his hand and and potentially a circular burn mark on his left inner bicep. Levi told detectives during an interview that he woke up at 10.30 a.m. on that day and no one had used his car. Police said Levi showed no emotion when talking about the death of his mother. He also apparently pretended to fall asleep during the police interview. So the following day, Tuesday, October 11th, Levi was charged with second-degree murder as well as parole violation. Police have said that they believe Levi's motive for killing Carly was that his mother may have kicked him out of her home recently for poor behavior. Did we see why he was in a halfway house? Because is that either usually you're addicted to drugs or alcohol or or like if you got out of prison or something? I haven't seen anything like that and I haven't really read anything else about um, a prior criminal history of Levi. There's nothing that's been made public about that. Yeah, either way. He was obviously in the halfway house for a reason you know yeah lines up with the bad behavior yeah exactly so there isn't too much else that's happened in that case since it has gone pretty quiet the last updates were a few weeks ago we'll have to keep you updated as levi um you know his trial progresses he was due back in court on october 19 i can't really see if that has happened there's been no updates in the media you know I feel like these things seem to take a long time these days so we might be waiting a little while the humane society where Carly worked released a statement and I just wanted to read it out because I thought it was a lovely tribute to her it says Carly was the heart and soul of West Valley Humane Society and a fierce advocate for both animals and people in need she was a kind compassionate and empathetic friend mother wife grandmother and daughter her impact on the world moves far past the animal shelter and directly into the hearts of the many she took under her wing so I feel like this one is just when when something happens to one of our members it just hits home that really these 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 types of things can happen to anyone you know it's just and I know even with the Tiffany Booth murder that we've spoken about in other episodes where she was murdered by her partner who's still on the run years later. It's just, yeah, it's it's very scary when it hits so close to home. Yeah, the Tiffany Booth one, was that's probably the biggest one because it still hasn't been solved. And it was on John Walsh's new show, wasn't it? Yeah, the new what, In Pursuit Of, I think it's called. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just a very sad one. So the next one we're going to talk about is Also from October 14th, um, we learned about a case of two missing people. It started out as there's Michelle Rowan. She was 49 and she had a 17-year-old son, Tyler, who was also missing. The two were last seen at their home in Humble, Texas on October 13th, 2022. Um, The police alert said that they may be driving a 2011 black Mazda and asked people to be on the lookout for them. The Texas Department of Public Safety issued a clear alert for the mother and son. A clear alert is issued when law enforcement needs help locating and rescuing missing, kidnapped, or abducted adults or adults who are in immediate in immediate danger of injury or death, as well as aid in locating any potential suspects. So it's kind of like a good alternative to an Amber Alert for adults. I was just going to say, I think this is the first time I've ever heard of a clear alert. I've never heard of it before this case, so... I feel like I've heard of it literally once, but I couldn't tell you why yeah. or what case. I wonder if it's everywhere, just Texas. Maybe it's a Texas thing, yeah. I'll have to look. So some background on the family. Michelle had been married for 23 years to Manfred Rowans, and they had two children together, one being Tyler and then an older daughter named Brianna. Manfred got home around noon on October 13th, and he noticed that the Mazda was missing. 
Um, he said Tyler drove it to and from school sometimes, so Tyler was prohibited from traveling in the vehicle outside of Harris County. I don't know if that was just like a family rule or what, but I feel yeah, I feel like Tyler may have been in some trouble and yeah, was not allowed to take the car, basically. On a tight leash. Yes. When Manfred went into the garage, he reportedly saw a human tooth and a trail of blood from the garage to the master bedroom, where he found at least four more human teeth on the carpet. He saw Michelle's person's cell phone in the bathroom, and after understanding no one else was home, he called 911. Manfred reportedly tried tracking Tyler and Michelle's whereabouts on an app, but Tyler's tracking had been deleted and his phone appeared to be turned off. The responding Harris County deputy went to the Rowan's residence on Birch Arbor Court and reportedly noticed other signs of apparent foul play in the home. Charges on Michelle's credit card were pinged to Humble, Texas, Richardson, Texas, Atoka, Oklahoma, and Chitopa, Kansas. Sorry if I pronounced any of those wrong. <laughs> um, documents revealed the car's license plate also pinged on a reader near Dallas. Police spotted the car, and there was a brief chase with speeds up to 110 miles per hour that resulted in a crash. The Mazda reportedly attempted to slow down, but struck the rear end of a semi-truck, left the roadway, and and hit a tree in a ditch near Aurora, Nebraska. So we went to a lot of states, it seems. Yeah, it was, yeah very busy. <laughs> Tyler suffered serious but non-life-threatening injuries in the crash. Michelle's body was found in the wrecked vehicle, and initial reports indicate she died from strangulation and blunt force trauma. Her body was found in the trunk of the vehicle. So Tyler was reportedly out on bond after he was arrested in April for allegedly sexually assaulting another high school student. Court documents cited by KHOU reported that Tyler allegedly picked up the girl from school, took her phone away, and when she tried to take it back, he allegedly bit and punched her and ripped her shirt off and her bra, and then he groped her. Tyler also reportedly attempted to take her pants off, then pushed her out of the car and kicked her in the face. The kick caused a cut that required stitches. Uh, the young woman who was the victim, she told officers that she felt like she was going to die. I have to wonder if this is part of the reason why he wasn't allowed to use the car or was only was was restricted on using the car. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. So Tyler's been charged with murder and tampering with evidence in his mother's death, according to Harris County Sheriff Ed Gonzalez. Michelle reportedly had ligature marks on her neck, as well as a broken hyoid bone, both of which are indicative of strangulation. Harris County Sheriff's Office detectives reportedly interviewed Tyler at the hospital in Omaha, and he allegedly refused to provide any details, refused to provide any details of Michelle's injuries other than admitting that he did not only use his hands and that she did not get into the trunk of the vehicle on her own. Like, thank you for that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Captain Obvious. <laughs> Could have figured. Um, the complaint says Tyler drove northbound with his mother in the trunk and felt no emotion. Tyler's currently being held in Nebraska, and he will remain in the Hall, in the Hall County Jail until a full extradition hearing occurs on November 30th. I'll be um, <clears throat> interested to hear more about this case because I know that it said he strangled her, but he also said he didn't just use his hands. But I wonder how the teeth come into play. Like, yeah, what thinking. did he do to her? To I don't know. I, I can't even begin to imagine how the teeth came out of her head, essentially. Yeah. Something with a lot of force. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I can think. It must have been a massive amount of force. 
So she has a, a nice obituary. It's pretty long, so it, we'll put it in the blog. I'll just read a little bit of it. Um, it says, on October 13, 2022, Michelle Rowan's loving wife and mother of two children passed away at the age of 49. Michelle was born September 28, 1973 in Mull, Nebraska. It says she was a spunky middle child, a loving wife and mother, a kind and generous aunt, and the sweetest friend to many. And it kind of goes on about her life, um, her hobbies, what she liked to do. Um, how she liked getting up early and doing runs with her friends. She did different 5K, 10K races. Um, and we thought it was interesting that at the end, Tyler is still included in the obituary where it says, Michelle is survived by her husband of 23 years, Manfred, her two children, Brianna and Tyler, her parents, more family members. But I don't know. It's always a mixed bag on if in situations like this, if the person's in the obituary or not. And I also find it kind of interesting in murder-suicide obituaries too where the murderer is still listed. Like, for instance, if a husband kills a wife, sometimes they absolutely leave it out and other times they still include it and say they, you know, died together. I feel like a lot of the times it may depend on if there's a history of mental illness or addiction or something where the family If they have, like, of, sympathy or that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It feels sympathetic or, you know, a little bit more understanding towards the perpetrator. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I don't know I feel like as and especially as a mother it'd be different obviously she probably really loved Tyler I'm sure she tried to help him um and this was just a very unfortunate situation yeah it seems like Tyler had some issues going on that's really Definitely. it with that one for now it's another one we'll keep an eye on for some updates because I think because a lot of these two are so recent they're still in the very, very early stages of the court process. So yeah. there will be, yeah, definitely be updates to come. Peep, you're being so bad today. <laughs> Cut it out. Rebelling. <laughs> She's being so annoying. She's just crawling all over me, the computer. <laughs> so the next one is from July this year. On July 16th, 2022, a 24-year-old man named Logan Lopez asked his mother, Mary Beth, who is 53, to come to his apartment in Clearwater, Florida. He asked her to drop off his mail that had been delivered to her house and also told her that he wanted to show her some furniture. Major Natalia Illich Haley, who's with the Clearwater Police Department, has detailed what happened after Mary Beth got to Logan's apartment. She said, as she came inside, he closed the door, he came up behind her and he struck her with a hammer. You see the worst in people, but you don't see this brutality very often. This information about the attack is from the arrest report. It says he struck Mary Beth Lopez in the head with a claw hammer several claw hammer multiple times and stabbed her in the neck with a knife several times. It also said he struck her on the right side of her head several times with a hammer with a hammer until she collapsed in the living room. The defendant then continued to strike Mary Beth Lopez in the head with the hammer for a period described as 15 to 20 minutes while periodically taking breaks. The defendant altered between striking Mary Beth Lopez with the hammer and stabbing her in the neck two or three times. The report said that Logan admitted to initially calling Mary Beth inside the apartment for the purpose of putting an end to her and had been planning to do so for a year. The defendant further stated that prior to Mary Beth, Mary Beth Lopez's arrival, he concealed the hammer by an ottoman in the living room for the purpose of striking her with it. It seems like Logan, Logan fled, but he was arrested within the first hour. He was charged with first-degree murder and he's being held without a bond. 
Logan doesn't have any criminal history, but he has been Baker acted in the past. If you don't know what the Baker Act is, according to the University of Florida, it says the Baker Act is a Florida law that enables the families and loved ones to provide emergency mental health services and temporary detention for people who are impaired because of their mental illness and who are unable to determine their needs for treatment. When he was questioned by police, Logan said that he had killed his mother because she had enslaved him. So even though this one is a little bit older than the first two cases, so we're talking a few more months, there hasn't been any updates in what's happening with Logan. I'm assuming he's probably going through a mental health competency process, um, which seems to be why um, these kind of crimes drop out of the media and why there are no updates. But this one was incredibly brutal and for him to have been planning it for a year, it just seems filled with so much hatred and malice. Um, I just, it's, it's incomprehensible really. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so not too much other um, information on that for such for a crime that is essentially unbelievably brutal. So far, it seems like all these kids have had a lot of other previous um, incidents yeah. before yeah. this happened. Like all of them had seemed to have some issues. And I think it's interesting too that all the cases that we are discussing today are crimes against mothers. Obviously, I know it happens against fathers, but I feel like it definitely doesn't happen as often and that um, children often feel more, um, I don't know, I guess hatred towards the mother because I guess the mother is in a lot of cases the the bad cop in the family. Like the mother's always the one, I shouldn't really generalise, but I feel like as a mother, the mothers are the one who ones who, you know, discipline and punish and give t- give tough love and that's harder sometimes for children to accept. Yeah, or even just, like, sometimes people might feel like, like, your mother's supposed to be the one to, like, mother you and, like, care for you as, like, a little kid. So maybe that kind of builds up more resentment when they feel like they weren't kind of, like, babied. Because all these kids are also, for the most part, how old was this guy? They're all still, like, later teens, young 20s, which is kind of, like, a big turning point in your life. And I feel like, too especially I think I feel like early 20s or mid 20s is kind of the onset time for a lot of mental illness as well yeah and it's just like a stressful time because like that's kind of when you finally have to like really like grow up and like you can't expect your parents to do everything with you and you gotta like move out and it seems like too if Logan was still asking his mother to bring over his mail like obviously speculation here but he may not have been moved out of the house for that long so that would would have been an added stress for him the same with Levi he was you know made to move out of the house so there seems like some resentment for that too well jokes on you about the mail cuz i've lived here for 5 years and i've never changed my address <laughs> i actually still do get some mail sent to my parents house and i haven't lived there forever but but you know what i mean i'm just speculating maybe maybe that's why no yeah most people change their address for me now it's at the point where i'm like well i'm going to like not live here forever so what's the point <laughs> of doing it now <laughs> okay so the next one we're going to talk about is a little different because like how we were just saying a lot of the ones we just spoke about the um kids were in their early 20s or like later teens this one the the child killer the daughter she is 40 years old so it's a little different so this is the murder of Sherilyn Bailey who was 74 by her daughter Maury Bellarmino who is 40. Maury is a former NYPD officer who retired from the police force in 2016. We believe that she lived with Sherilyn for around 10 years and that they lived with Maury's son and a man who had been reported to be Maury's partner. 
At the time of this incident, Maury was working as a pediatric nurse for the New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene. So interesting that she's also a nurse and a police officer. Yeah. Um, Maury made the following social media posts on her birthday this year in which she discussed her love for her mother. So it starts out, I won't read the whole thing, it's kind of long. It says, it's my birthday. I had an intense few days and I've realized some things. I have birthday wishes, but I want to wrap the wishes up in being grateful because, man, there's so much beauty in my life. This is long, and if you read all the way to the end, thank you. So then it goes on, and then it says, my reasons to smile. My mom, we've been through it, but she's always been there for me when it counts, and I want to be there for her. I inherited some of her dreams, so I know the pain of being almost there in terms of greatness. But she already is great. She is amazing. She taught so many kids how to be better citizens, and she always believed in me. She always saw me. I'm so lucky to have her as my mom. I want to be able to spoil her, and maybe one day I will. Or maybe she'll get a boo. (laughs) Or maybe she'll get a boo. That would be so cute. That's up to God, but I will let her know how much I admire her wisdom and how much her love keeps me going for as long as I can. So it seems like a nice post. Yeah, and it was very soon before the murder. Like, it was only, you know, six weeks or something like that. So it's, yeah, I guess things aren't always what they appear on the surface. Yeah, social media is not always real. No, what a surprise. (laughs) Um... So despite the seemingly close relationship, the mother and daughter did have a volatile relationship. So the last time that they had a conflict was in 2018, but before that, they'd been called to the house a lot of times. Um, They were called to the home on July 30th this year after there was reports that Mari was acting emotionally disturbed. A neighbor said that he noticed Mari had not been around and he asked Sherilyn where she was. Uh, The neighbor said, I asked Sherry one day, where's Maury? She said, she's in the hospital. She went off her medicine. Frank, the neighbor, he said that he never suspected any health issues prior to that conversation. Um, He said, she didn't seem sick. I never thought she was mentally ill. Sherilyn was a valued member of her community. She had beaten cancer twice. She was also a teacher and a member of the historic Richmond Town Board. This info about Sherilyn comes from silive.com says Sherilyn was a Rocco Laurie Intermediate School social studies teacher for nearly two decades before retiring. She was renowned for her ability to connect the community to the classroom. She would later become a dean of the students at the school. A coordinator for Strides Against Breast Cancer coordinator for the United Federation of Teachers since 2003, Bailey took part in fundraising efforts aimed at breast cancer research and advocacy. She also served as a lawyer and was an active member of a retired teacher's chapter for the United Federation of Teachers. Sherilyn was found dead in her home on Saturday, September 10th, 2022. Um, We're not quite sure what the process was following her death, but Maury was definitely not arrested right away. Um, The day after her mother died, Maury posted this on Facebook, and it's um, like a screenshot of a A meme type. Well, not meme, you know, those, yeah. It's like a screenshot of a tweet. Yeah, yeah. Type meme. And it says... You deserve the best, the foggiest of cemetery strolls, the silkiest coffin lining, the most haunted of castles, the fiercest of hellhounds. Don't let anyone tell you you're just a recluse the town's folk tell stories about. You're an immortal countess with a horrifying secret. 
Her Facebook is still up too, which is quite rare. I feel like they always take down the Facebooks of these people. So I'll put some screenshots in the blog and the link in the blog just in case they do end up taking it down. But she posted a few times after the murder. So I'm assuming maybe the story went along the lines of, my, oh, wow, my mum, I found my mum dead. But they once they did the autopsy and found out that she'd been strangled, then she was arrested. So Sherilyn had been strangled to death and it wasn't long before Maury was arrested and charged with second degree murder and first degree strangulation. She told police that her fights with her mother had gotten physical in the past. She said, it got physical. I just blacked out. I strangled her for about two minutes. I probably did it like this, like a chokehold. Maury appeared in court on September 14th for the first time and her behavior was unusual. The judge ordered that a psychological exam be conducted. According to SILive.com again, they said Maury Bellarmino audibly greeted the courtroom as she entered for her arraignment in Richmond County Criminal Court before appearing to nervously scan the ceiling and walls. She shook her hands throughout the entirety of her time and sang something indistinguishable during the appearance before Judge Ann Thompson, who noted that Bellarmino did not make eye contact during the proceeding. The judge, she said, it does not necessarily appear she is participating in the proceedings, she said, when granting the prosecution's request for a 730 exam, a which is a psychological exam that will determine her ability to understand the charges lobbied against her, so basically making sure she's competent to understand what's going on. Maury was due back in court on October 19, 2022, but we haven't been able to find any updates as to if that happened. So. I suspect this is another mental health competency hold up or, um, you know, it'll extend the process while they determine that. Yeah, as we know, with Lori Vallow goes on forever. Sherilyn also, she has a nice um, obituary. We'll put the whole thing on our blog if you want to read more about her. But this is another one where at the end it says Sherilyn is survived by her daughter, Maury Yolanda Bailey Bellarmino and her son-in-law, and then goes on to say the rest of the family members. So they did keep her in this obituary as well. Yeah, I find it fascinating how the process works. All right, so the next, the, la the last case that we're going to discuss today of kids who kill is actually one that literally just happened. As I was researching this episode, I came across this one, and it was so wild and crazy, like another unbelievable one. Yeah. It happened on Wednesday, October 26th, 2022. A woman named Hand Bustami, who's 29, she called 911. She told the dispatcher that she had killed her mother, Afaf Husanen, who was 61. The murder happened in the home they shared together in Las Vegas. There is a clip of the 911 call, which will pop in here, so you can actually hear how crazy this is. Do you need police, fire, or medical? Uh, medical. I think I killed my mommy. What's your address? Um, south South what? Why do you think you killed your mom? Because I did. I, I murdered her. How did you do that? Yeah. I, I broke the table on her head and I broke it. You did what with the table? Can I get medical? Medical 8759. Where where are you? I'm at my mom's house. I'm giving you the address. You said with June flower. Yeah. Okay. What did you do to her? 
I killed her. How did you kill her? You said something about a table? I broke the table on her head. You dropped the table on her head? I broke the table on her head and I cut her neck off. And you cut what? Her neck off. Where are you at now? I'm in the car. I'm in the water. What kind of car are you in? All right, so we'll just kind of go through the 911 call in case you can't make it out. Um, I'll read Hen's part and Stephanie will be the dispatcher. So Hen called 911 at 2.30 a.m. and she said, I think I killed my mummy. Why do you think you killed your mom? Because I did. I murdered her. What did you do to her? I killed her. How did you do that? I broke the table on her head and I broke it. And then there's kind of a little bit of the recording that's hard for anyone to decipher. How did you kill her? You said something about a table? I broke the table on her head. I broke the table on her head and I cut her neck off. And you cut what? Her neck off. So it sounds like there's a lot going on in this call. Um, She sounds quite scattered. um, Agitated. Incoherent a little bit. So, yeah, there was definitely a lot going on. Hend hung up the 911 call and she fled the scene. Police found her driving, though, near Barstow in California and she was covered in blood. She told police that she'd gotten into a fight with her mother and that she had stabbed her with shards of glass. Hend was arrested in August this year on an unrelated charge. She apparently didn't pay her bill at a restaurant and she also violated airport rules at Harry Reid International Airport. She told police officers at the time that she was under arrest because she was too good looking. (laughs) <laughs> and she is very attractive. Like when you look at her photos, she's beautiful. Um, so maybe that's not an unbelievable <laughs> scenario for her. I get arrested all the time for my good looks. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, this information is from documents about this incident at the airport. It says officers working D gates were notified by TSA that a female matching the description was observed sleeping near the security checkpoint, hindering their operations. They then located her later near the baggage claim where she was allegedly belligerent with officers, saying she had been harassed because cops had never seen anyone as pretty as her. (laughs) While she was being placed under arrest, she said that she was going to spit on all the officers and that officers were perverts and they were trying to rape her because they had never seen anyone as good looking as her. Mm. Um, So there was a warrant out for hand out of Las Vegas. She was accused of battery against a security guard at a business in the Arts District in June. The arresting officer noted that she couldn't sign the citation he wrote against her because she was intoxicated. She failed to show up to her arraignment in July, which led to a judge issuing a bench warrant for her arrest. She did appear in court, though, on September 2 and was ordered to be released pending a trial. A bench warrant was then issued again for her arrest on September 27th. So Hen's Facebook, again, is one that's still up. She did post quite a lot. It seemed like she was struggling. Um, she made this post again about her mother in May, and it kind of insinuates that her mother was very controlling. She wrote, hit me up on here. I haven't had a phone in months. My parents are holding it till I get my own line. So I do not have access to my phone number or anything social media related, unless it's on a desktop took me about four to five months to articulate this information. It's been Life has been a, a series of unfortunate events. Sorry if you've been trying to contact me. I literally have no idea. And then, uh, also, hit me up. I'm in need of assistance and a place to stay. So that was in May, just literally a few months before the murder. Yeah. 
Las Vegas police have said that they've received 12 calls for service at the home this year alone. Most of the calls, which were seven, were for family disturbances and others were for reports of a missing person, civil matters and a suicide attempt. There is also a clip of a 911 call that a friend made who was concerned about Afaf, who was the mother. She said that Afaf had uh, returned, feared returning home as Hend had allegedly threatened to kill her. So this that is a case that, that has literally just happened in the past few days. We will have to keep you updated as it progresses and goes to court. But very, very recent one. Unbelievable. Yeah. Just This is kind of just a little bit of general information about these types of crimes. The act of a child killing their father is known as patricide and the killing of a mother is known as matricide. You may have also heard the term parricide, which can mean the killing by of either parent by a child. I found these stats very interesting. It says that these types of murders make up between 2 to 3% of all U.S. murders each year. There are more than 300 parasites in the U.S. each year, which means that there are six or more on average each week, which is so many. Like, Seems like a lot. And like imagine just the ones that we hear of, which aren't very many. There must be so many that fly under the radar. Yeah. So some of the main reasons for parasites are issues of control, which account for 38% of them. That's things like phone taken away, which happened in the Hen case. Um, they've been put on restriction, which happened, I guess, in the Levi case and possibly the Tyler case too. So mm. that's interesting. Issues of money, 10%. Um, that the murder is occurs because the person wants to stop abuse, 8%. In a fit of anger, 8%. And once a different life, 7%. I feel like once a different life can be kind of tied into a lot of those other things as well, like issues of control. Um, Yeah. So it's very interesting. I guess probably some of the cases are quite similar in terms of the possible reasoning, Tyler and Levi, um, but maybe Maury's case is a bit more related to mental illness. It seems like they were all having some sort of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess to kill someone, you have to be generally, unless it's like an act of rage or something, and it, mental health issues. It's not like any of these cases happened where the child had had no background. There was, you know, things going on for each and every perpetrator in the cases that we discussed today. Yeah. So I guess it just takes that one straw that breaks the camel's back for the child to snap and do something like this. I was just thinking since we just did the Cosmo episode, like he could have easily been on this list. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The mom was like scared for her life as well. And I find it interesting too that in all of these cases, the the mothers were strangled or, or probably beaten to death. There was no access to guns um, or, you know, no use of guns in these cases anyway. So... Yeah. Yeah. I guess that probably explains to some of the brutality. If you don't have access to a gun, anything else is probably going to take a lot longer and be more brutal. Yeah, definitely. So I feel like this is just going to be a series that keeps on going. Obviously, it just seems to happen all the time. Um, yeah, it's just a fascinating study, really, of what can go wrong with the person who's meant to love you the most. Yeah, unfortunately. 
The man arrested in the murders of those two teenage girls in Delphi, Indiana. That suspect is 50-year-old Richard Allen. Police have charged him with the 2017 murders of 14-year-old Liberty German and 13-year-old Abigail Williams. The two girls were best friends. Their bodies found in a rugged area near a hiking trail the day after they disappeared during a day off from school. That case has haunted the small town of Delphi ever since. After years of an intense investigation, well, the Indiana state police superintendent became quite emotional while announcing the arrest today. Some do I have prepared remarks, but today is different because I do not want there, be, there to be any confusion or ambiguity with what I will say. Today is not a day to celebrate, but the arrest of Richard M. Allen of Delphi on two counts of murder is sure a major step in leading to the conclusion of this long-term and complex investigation. Okay, so we'll give a little recap, even though, I don't know, I feel like anyone listening to our podcast probably knows what's going on, especially if you follow us on Instagram or anything like that. But on Wednesday, October 26, 2022, there was a huge unexpected update with this case. Like, we all thought this case was, like, never going to get solved. Um, so if you're not familiar we with the case, we have another podcast episode on that. Um, we'll link it in the blog or whatever. But if you just search our name in Delphi, it'll come up somewhere. I feel like the Delphi case anyway, for anyone who is into true crime at all, is one of the biggest cases. Like everyone seems to know it. Even I was at an event on Tuesday and someone came up to me. He's like, wow, what about that update? Like people who you don't even know would know about it, but it seems like everyone is aware. Yeah, I feel like because it, it, when it happened, it was like major news. Like I remember it was like on the Today Show and stuff like that here. Um, but then I'm always surprised because like my coworkers, some of them listen to the podcast and some of them are like interested in crime. And I'll like ask them about it and they'll be like, oh, no, I don't know that one. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like this is like John <laughs> Bonet level at this point. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're not – if you want to know more about it, we did like a big um, podcast episode on it. It has – all the information up until this point. So obviously the newest stuff's not in it, but everything else is. Um, but anyways, so a man named Richard Matthew Allen, who is 50 years old, was booked on October 26th and charged with murdering the two girls. He's pled not guilty and is apparently refusing to cooperate with the police is what um, people are saying they've been hearing. We had lots of people ask if we were going to do like another separate episode on this, but Honestly, that's the only information out there at this point, so maybe... Only confirmed information, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of gossip, a lot of rumors, which we can talk about a little, some of them that we've heard, but the police did a press conference, and that was literally all they said, is that they confirmed that he was arrested and that he's charged with two counts of murder, um, and they showed us his picture. Maybe once I know the reporters are trying to get some because with this case, everything is sealed. It always has been. There's like just a sealed order, whatever it's called, on the entire thing. So reporters are trying to get the probable cause documents. I believe there is a hearing on November 22nd to decide if they will unseal the affidavit or anyway, unseal some records in relation to this case. So maybe by then we'll know more. But yeah, at this stage, it's all still sealed. Yeah, so maybe when, like, more info comes out, we could do, like, another full episode. But for now, we'll just talk about some of the stuff we've heard. I feel like, too, just to interrupt quickly before you go on, I feel like there must have a lot in the affidavit for this to have 
progressed so quickly. So hopefully if it is a very comprehensive document, we'll be able to do a proper update on it. Yeah, so it seems like they must have some solid evidence against him because they are charging him, obviously, and he has no bonds. So yeah. it must be something pretty concrete, hopefully. I just keep saying, yeah, everything is like, hopefully, hopefully this is it. Hopefully, I know. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully nothing gets messed up and this is it. Yeah. So what we do know, I mean, I'd say that some of this is confirmed, even though not confirmed by police, but Richard, he would have been 44 at the time of the murders. He's worked at a local CVS in Delphi for years. Um, There's rumors on if he's like either the manager there or just an employee or a pharmacy tech. Um, He is like a certified pharmacy tech. He has a pharmaceutical license. He got it in February 2018, which is a year past the murders a year after the murders and Libby's grandparents actually confirmed that for the funeral they got pictures of the girls developed at CVS and when they went to pick them up he assisted I think it was Tara Libby's aunt who went he assisted them with the photos personally and gave them to them for free he didn't charge them kind of as like a courtesy for their kids being murdered which probably seemed very nice at the time but looking back it just is like puts a pit in your stomach just imagine him doing that you know i just it's there's a few things that he's done that have been super arrogant and ballsy and i'm like wow like imagine imagine doing that just days after you've murdered these children it's just crazy it makes me like sick. It makes if I was them, I'd be so like obviously they have so much to be enraged about, but just that it's yeah. like on top of everything else, like ugh. I mean, and you quite- probably felt so smug about it too. Yeah. It's kind of along the same lines. Like I feel like during when the Delphi searches were going on and they're like, you know, look at everyone who's attending the search because maybe the murderer was in there. It's the same type of thing. They kind of insert themselves and go do something a little bit extra just as kind of a look at me, well, look what I'm doing. Yeah, it's like they get off on it. Like look how yeah. close I am and like they have no idea and I'm not going to get caught. And you probably thought that for a long time. Yeah. Um, anyways, a little bit that we have found out about him from just like being creeps on the internet. He <laughs> was married to a woman named Kathy. They have a daughter named Brittany. Um, their social medias, they were up. We did see them. We have screenshots of them, but you know, there's no reason to really, well, for now, to put either of them on blast. Um, I'm sure. I don't know. I was going to say they're not involved, but you never know at this point. Yeah, I yeah. Obviously, you know, we'd, we're just kind of doing a little bit of speculating. I feel like the daughter probably had no idea, but we don't know yeah. to what extent if Kathy knew anything, even if she knew something recently. Anyway, we can talk about it at the end. Yeah, but anyways, my point was just like we don't need to like witch hunt either yeah. of them. Like yeah. I hope people leave them alone. But so it seems like Richard, he actually goes by Ricky, I guess, didn't have any social media, but the wife's at the time of the arrest or when – kind of the words started coming out hers was on and there was a good amount of public posts so there was a lot of pictures of him that could be accessed from her social media um and there was even a picture that the wife posted of their daughter Brittany on the high bridge like where libby and abby were abducted and murdered from so that was just kind of eerie there was also another picture i've seen of the daughter and she's kind of lying face down on a bed like like you know she's got her hands like she's just lying there it's just a casual photo but it looks like she may be wearing one of the Libby and Abby tie-dye shirts that they made as kind of a fundraiser memorial type thing for the girls wow a little bit creepy yeah 
Yeah. So Richard's home is less than a five minute drive away from where the girls' bodies were found. So all this time he was just kind of like right in the local area, which I feel like police have suspected for a long time. They've always hinted at him hiding in plain sight, which it seems like he was. And I've also read online a few comments that say he actually lived on the same street as one of the girl's relatives. Um, so I just can't even imagine, you know, if that turns out to be true, imagine knowing that for these all these years you were like two doors down from the murderer. Yeah. So some of the locals, they've been talking about the case because it seems like, you know, like Richard, he worked at CVS. Probably a lot of people went there pretty regularly to get their prescriptions or just like I go to my – CVS down the road from my job all the time so but it's funny because thinking about it it's like I couldn't tell you what one of the employees looked like there so I kind of get how he was hidden in plain sight yeah but he also seemed to go to a local bar that's now closed with his wife a lot so some of the people who knew him spoke about it um one person Chandler Underhill he's the manager of the local brick and mortar pub he said when I'd go into CVS as a customer myself, he would say, do you need any help? And I would be like, no. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. That's just really funny. But No. Like, why, it's like why, not funny. Why are they even reporting this? Like, I mean, they're just they're grasping for things to report, I think, at this stage. That also happens to me every time I go to CVS <laughs> or any store. Um, he did go on to say he's just like a normal guy that I've seen for the last couple of years, not really thinking anything. Um, he said that Mr. Allen always seemed normal when he would come into the pub where he worked. I would talk. He wouldn't say much. He just seemed like a normal guy. So one of my servers was telling me that he wouldn't speak much. Libby's grandfather told reporters after Monday's press conference that his granddaughter's accused killer had been hiding in plain sight the whole time. Um, and he referenced, like I was just saying, Indiana State Police Superintendent Doug Carter, he said that earlier in one of the big press conference. Doug Carter is like a great speaker. Um, he always gives a good speech at these press conferences, but he did one of the earlier ones about how this guy was just hiding in plain sight and that they were going to fucking find him, and they did. Mm. Um, Mike Patty went on to say, and that's the case, didn't know. I don't know the gentleman personally at all. I've probably seen him. It's a small county, but I definitely don't know him. So there's a bunch of rumors about how he was arrested. Um, some say that one rumor is that the wife found something that could have belonged to the girls and like spoke to family members about it. And then the family members thought that was weird, called police themselves. There was another one. Is the Reddit one about the tools? Yeah. So there's a post on Reddit. Obviously, it's just speculation, but I feel like it could very well be what happened. Do you want me to read it out? Yeah. So this person says that they've basically got a personal source in Delphi, political circles. Um, it goes on. He kind of explains how he knows this person. But it says, my friend was told by his source that Richard came to law enforcement's attention by pure chance. There was no known connection to Keegan Klein, who I've spoken about in our last Delphi episode. It was not a tip nor result of investigation efforts. It was a chance function of standard law enforcement procedures. He was apparently accused of stealing some tools out of a neighbor's garage he was caught red-handed with one of the items. Though the tool was low value, entering the neighbor's garage is a felony and he was arrested and charged as a result and was forced to, to submit a DNA sample as per Indiana law. 
and that's how they got the hit to the DNA in the Libyan Abbey case. Then says that searches of his home yielded at least one article of clothing that tested presumptively for human blood and was then fast-track tested one of the girl's DNA. Other items were also found at his home that were linked to the homicides, although the source didn't know or did not say what they were. So I feel like that could explain um, how it happened. Obviously, we don't know, but it, it seems like a plausible explanation. Yeah, and I'd say the third rumour is probably that he was linked to Keegan Keegan, Klein, who is the guy who has been kind of like on the radar for this most recently. He's the one that used the Anthony Schatz profile that police were saying interacted with Libby like the day of or like the day before her death, um, posing to be another teenager. Keegan Klein was already arrested for different child pornography things. So pretty sketchy that he was talking to her around that time. And they did say that two that another person had access to that account they could tell and they've been trying to get Keegan to tell them who it was that was also using the Anthony Schatz profile to talk to underage girls so another rumor is that he would have been the second person who used the account and Keegan ratted on him which I could also see being plausible but who knows especially with the recent time frame of like Keegan being in court and all that type of stuff like it feels like the timing would match up for this to be related to Keegan but Again, we just really do have no idea. Yeah, so I think Richard's house was searched on October 13th, according to HLN. Um, I, If you go on our Instagram, we posted like all of this under the Delphi update highlight, lots of screenshots and stuff. It seems like that's when his house was searched. There's pictures from it that HLN got. There's a lot of cops there. They had Richard and his wife just sit in a minivan while they searched the property. So I'd love to know what they were talking about in there. Um, but neighbors got some pictures and the neighbors said they saw them take out like a bundle of cloth, which could have been clothing, um, like a shoebox, a Macy's bag. And they said that they were digging up around a shed that they have in the backyard and kind of going through stuff in the shed back there. And like, there are some photos of Richard that people have kind of, you know, dissected and pulled apart. He does have a blue jacket, which seems to look quite similar to the jacket that the bridge guy was wearing. Um, Yeah, and that was two months before the murders that that video was posted of him in the jacket. There's also when we spoke about the kind of ballsy things that he did, he apparently contacted police after the murders, like days after, to let them know that he had been in the area and he'd just been going for a walk on the trail. So (laughs) that's ballsy. And then there's a photo of him that's been released. His wife, I think, took it um, and posted it, and it's of them in the local bar and he's just sitting there kind of, smirking smiling and in the background is the sketch photo of the Delphi suspect so it's just these things now blow your mind if if it turns out that he really is involved in this it's crazy and it's crazy because like that's especially in Delphi that sketch was everywhere I saw people saying like it was in CVS as well like but and you see people being like how could no one recognize him and it's like he does look like the sketch sometimes but he also doesn't at all like his appearance changes a lot and he's just one of those people where he's just very like ambiguous looking like unnotable like nothing remarkable doesn't stand out at all yeah i like i know some people have done side by side comparisons of him to the sketches and kind of have superimposed his face onto the sketch like you're like yeah could be but like you wouldn't look at him and say wow that is absolutely the guy on the bridge no um, and I know that a lot of people too have made comments. I think in one of the early press conferences, they said that they believe this person may have tried to kind of alter his image. Like they said, like, do you know someone who's had a haircut or looks different to kind of 
not look like the guy on the bridge. And his photos over the years are all very different. Some he has you yeah. know, a long goatee and kind of a long gross beard. Other times he's clean shaven. So, you know, but I guess that's not an unusual thing for any man to do really. But it's just an interesting yeah, kind of point that's been pointed out to us. And Libby's sister, Kelsey, she's always kind of been like an advocate for the girls and kind of posts a lot of in social media about them. She probably does the most interviews so that she – thinks that the world feels a little safer following the arrest she also did an interview she was saying how when they found out like she didn't feel excited like the family didn't feel excited like they thought they would and it was just kind of like they're still nervous that like you know kind of like what we were saying obviously to a much different extent of just like is it really happening and she said just brings up a lot of bad memories because now they have to try to like remember different things about that day now that they know more And I feel too, like, I think when you were just saying that, I feel one of the reasons I feel a bit nervous and apprehensive about this is because it does seem like this literally came from nowhere. This wasn't a result of their investigation. This just seems like a bit of dumb luck, maybe, like obviously, but it just seems like this may have been dumb luck and I just hope it doesn't get messed up. Yeah, but like we were saying before, they have him charged with no bond or anything. So I know that... um What's her name? The FBI. Coffin Duffer. Coffin Duffer, yeah. (laughs) She's in every single case. I feel like she was all over or saw your girl. She's all like, she just seems to be everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, she does a lot. But she was, um, the live stream that I was watching, she was doing like an interview after and she said that for them to be able to like hold him like that, they must have something like pretty solid. Yeah, and I agree for them. Like I feel like they will probably have to unseal the documents maybe. Maybe it's just me hoping, but I agree. They must I think have, they'll have to unseal some of them. Yeah, they must have something for it to be allowed to continue like this. I'm just like if it's not related to Keegan Klein at all, I wonder how the public will react because they were publicly going pretty hard on them and his family and his dad and everything. It seems like the police was pretty convinced that Keegan and whoever the second person was probably played a part in this. So I I would also still be surprised if there is no relation to Keegan, but I don't know, who knows? It's just one of those things that could really go either way, I guess. Yeah. um, Yeah, so I think that's kind of everything that's out there. For yeah. the most part. Like you said, make sure you do go on our Instagram and look at the Delphi updates um, highlight because everything that we've posted since this update has happened is on there. So you can go through kind of interviews with the family, law enforcement updates, People photos of Richard. Yeah. So that's all on there if you want to learn more. Again, as we said, nothing's confirmed pretty much. It's all speculation, but it is interesting now that this has all started to come out. Yeah. Innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. They remind like during the press conference, it was literally just them saying that, saying they arrested him and like telling us, yes, the information is sealed and we know that's frustrating to you all, but it's sealed and you'll learn about it one day, but not today. Which, you know, it's frustrating for us because we're nosy and want to know, but I, yeah, if that helps the case, they should just go for it. Yeah. Like I get why reporters are like, this is crazy. Like I've never seen things like sealed like this, especially like the probable cause and the affidavit. People are like, why would the police do this to us? And I'm like, it's because everyone with this case has been complete psychotic freaks. (laughs) And I I feel like that's totally why. One is such a high profile case and people on the internet have always been so out of control with this case like just doxing random people getting way too involved and i feel like that's a big reason 
Absolutely. There is um two, if you're familiar with the Delphi case, the police did release a voice clip of the perpetrator saying down the hill, which was taken from Libby's phone. So before all the social media media was taken down, there was a clip of Richard talking. So there's been a lot of kind of comparison between the two voices. Yeah, sounds relatively similar, but it also sounds not entirely the same to me. But if you want to have a listen to that's on our Instagram. Um, I'll try to put in a clip if yeah. I can. I might not be able to, but. It was I'll pretty it shitty down. recording. It was like they're on like a cable car gondola type thing and the wife's talking and then he says like a few words. So it's literally, yeah. But it's, it's I guess it's something else interesting to look at. Yeah. Okay, There's the world start coming up. But I think that's it. Definitely check out our Instagram highlight on that because um, it's got a lot of info. But yeah, as if more information comes out, we'll definitely keep talking about it. I know this is a case that a lot of people follow. But yeah, I think that's it for this episode. That's it. All right. So like I said, check out the Instagram. As always, check out our blog. We'll have everything posted about all these cases. TrueCrimeSocietyBlog.com. Our Instagram handle is TrueCrimeSociety. You can follow our personal accounts. Mine is StephSum underscore Olivia's is TCS Olivia. We post about our personal lives there and sometimes some behind the scenes TCS stuff. If you want to see Peep annoying me all the time, I post some <laughs> pics of her there. Um, leave us a review. You guys have been great at that rating, all that, and check out our sponsors for this episode. Um, they're always linked in the show notes. But that is it. Thank you guys for listening. Um, be safe out there. Peace out. See ya. <laughs>